going to pack this place out Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Amen? We're all going to come together for worship. We will have nursery. and uh, So bring your kids. It's a, it's a time where we can all, to, all come together as, as a church family. So let's look this morning at James chapter 2. And uh, we're going to begin reading this morning in verse 14. I hear a little bit of a ring, Jack. I don't know if you're hearing that or I'm just bouncing off of something up here. If it's good out there, then, then we're good. James chapter 2, verse 14. James says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. James is a little salty, it sounds like. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless. And I want to focus on verse 17 this morning where he says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Let's pray for the word today. Father, thank you for your word that you have given us that brings us life, that brings us instruction, that gives us hope. And Lord, our prayer today, God, is that as you speak through me today and 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 As I speak the words that you've laid on my heart for this day and this time, I pray, God, that you would find our hearts to be open. I pray that, Lord, every life today, every ear would be open, every heart would be open, that we would be good soil today as we hear and receive your word. Lord, put a guard at my mouth. May I only say what you have laid on my heart to say, and God, may it go forth with anointing and authority to bring change. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, if you discover a great destination vacation location, if you encounter a tremendous restaurant where you have delicious food and good service, if you find an exceptional doctor or if you identify the best gymnastics instructor or hitting coach in town, what do you do? You tell other people about what you've experienced, right? Unless you're just trying to be selfish and keep it all for yourself. But oftentimes we'll share with other people what we've seen or what we've experienced. This weekend we took 15 men to Oxford, Alabama to uh, the Man Church Conference. And we had an incredible time. We had a lot of food, a lot of laughs. We, we, uh, we enjoyed being together. We had a tremendous time of worship Friday night and yesterday heard some amazing messages, and so based on that experience this weekend, I can share with you that we're going to do that again next year, and if I've got to go to every one of your houses, men, I'm going to go get you, and you're all coming next year, all right? We did okay with 15, but we're going to do better next year, because when we experience something great, 
We want everybody to know about it. Exceptional, memorable, enjoyable experiences lead to action. We learned that over the last couple of weeks as we've been running through the Bible. And what we saw was that this circle that we looked at in the Old Testament where they just kind of kept things on repeat and making the same mistakes. We saw last week that in the New Testament, things didn't go in circles anymore. Things moved forward. We saw a church in action. And here's what we learned That when people have a genuine encounter with Jesus, it leads to action. I want to say that again. When people have a genuine encounter with Jesus, it leads to action. I want to tell you what you don't see in the New Testament. You don't see Jesus setting up a tent or hanging out at the synagogue and saying, y'all come now if you want to hear something. We see Jesus moving from town to town. I mean, literally almost every other page of your Bible, it says he moved from one place to to another. Jesus was always on the move, and he had 12 in tow with him, even more when we know that there were some women and other disciples who were hanging out with Jesus. And from Jesus, these disciples in this early church were given an example of action. They were given a call to action. And then on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with power to act. They were men and women of action. As a matter of fact, their book is called the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, right? And so they did so many amazing things that that's what Luke decided to to title the book. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what faith in action looks like. This is a standalone message. This isn't a series. We're going to pick up on a new series here in the coming weeks. But I was going in one direction for today and then about about 10 days ago in the middle of the night I woke up and I just began to think and the Lord just began to kind of lead me on some things. I laid in my bed with my phone open and my Bible app open and the notepad open and I was just finding all kinds of stuff. And there's a lot of different things that we can talk about to point to and say faith in action looks like this. But I've narrowed it down to four things today I want you to see. And as we go through this, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today, which for those of you who are part of our church are like, what else is new, Pastor? You always give us a lot of scripture. But as we go through scripture today, here's what I want you to notice. I want you to note The action verbs that we see. Our English teachers know what action verbs are. They are verbs that convey doing. And I want you to, I'm hoping it will just jump off the page at you when you see that the New Testament was full of acts and actions. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here we go. We are called, first of all, to faith in action in relationship to our sin. Probably didn't think we were going there right out of the bat. But, uh, but here's what we notice in Matthew chapter 3. When John the Baptist comes on the scene, look at the action that we see from John the Baptist. It says, when John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, uh, John the Baptist comes out of nowhere and he's telling everybody that they need to put some action to this sin in their life. They need to repent. 
One chapter later, Matthew chapter 4, we learn that John the Baptist is put in prison. Essentially, that hands the baton to Jesus. And what do we hear from Jesus in Matthew chapter 4? From that time on, from the time on that John was put in prison, Jesus began to preach what, y'all? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus fulfills his mission. He dies on the cross. He raises from the dead. He ascends to heaven. The day of Pentecost comes. Peter speaks a message, 3,000 people saved. What do you think Peter said in the first few words of that message? Each of you must what? And then Peter takes what John said and what Jesus said to another step. I love this because he gets real practical to us. And he says, don't just repent, but turn to God. So he gives us this image that we can relate to because he says, all right, look, repentance, that means you're going in one direction and now you're going in another. So that means that I am now turning away from my sin, away from the direction I was going, and now I'm turning to what, somebody? God. So he says, repent. The next action verb is what? Turn. And then he says, be what? Be baptized. Something else he learned from John the Baptist and from Jesus. John comes along in John chapter 1 and he says, listen church, I want you to know about this, this thing, this action that you should have when it comes to sin. He says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're living and not living in the truth. But if we, here's our next action verb, it is what? Confess. If we confess our sins to him, same word we've been looking at, right? Repent. He is what? Anybody thankful for that today? He is faithful. Anybody thankful that God was faithful to you even when you weren't faithful to him? Amen. That's good news today. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and clean us up from all our garbage. There's a song that we sing every now and then called Holy Water around here. And I love this lyric. It's a very convicting lyric. It says, I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that really makes me want to change. How many grace abusers we got in the house? Everybody raise your hand. Let's just do this exercise. I'm going to wait till everybody in the room raises your hand. All right? All right. Now, I know. I know you're ready for me to be done preaching because you already raised your hand. We're all grace abusers, right? We've been there because we have this thing in our mind. We know that he'll forgive us of our sins. And what do we tend to do? We're like, I'll truck right through the conviction of the Holy Spirit because I know I can ask for what, church? I can ask for forgiveness later. And I love that lyric. Put it back up there because he says, the lyric says, look, God, I don't want to abuse this grace that you've given me. Because ultimately when I look at the cross and I see what Jesus has done for me, that should cause me to repent and confess. And what? Turn. Y'all are getting it. And turn. That's what really makes me want to change is realizing what God's done in my life. James comes along a couple chapters later and in verse 4 and says this about this battle we have with sin and how faith and action causes us to, to have a response to our sins. And he says, listen, you're battling, you're, you're tempted, you're going to fight as long as you're in the flesh, you're going to fight a sin nature, amen? He says, here's what you've got to do to combat that sin nature. You submit yourself to God. How many times? Once, the first day you got saved and that's it? Did that work for anybody? No, I have to submit myself to God when? Daily. 
sometimes hourly, sometimes every 15 minutes, right? I have to submit myself to God. And when I submit myself to God, then I'm doing what? What's the next action verb, church? Resist. Submitting myself to God, it means I'm not submitting myself to my sin. When I submit to God, I'm saying, God, I'm coming under the lordship and the authority of your word. I'm coming under what you want, not what my flesh wants. And when I submit to the Lord and I resist the devil, oh, here's some action for you. When I submit and I resist, the scripture says he, the devil, will what? He's out the side door. Something happens when we begin to resist the devil and submit over to God. That means that that devil that's been wearing us out, he's got to exit stage right, your left. Amen. Somebody give God praise for that. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hmm. Paul comes along in Galatians and he tells us this in relation to our sin. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires, the flesh, to his cross. And what's the action verb, y'all? Crucified. We have to take our sin and we got to take it to the cross. Amen? And crucify it there. And since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Not the flesh. The flesh is going to always pull on us. You don't have to give in to the flesh. I'm going to say that again. You do not have to give in to the flesh. you got to live in the flesh, but you don't have to give in to the flesh. You can walk in the Spirit. One more verse when it comes to faith and action, our sin. Paul challenges the church in Corinth in his second letter. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Wow. He did not write that to people who were unsaved or didn't know God. He wrote that letter to people who were in the church. So everybody who's in the church at 9 o'clock this morning, the word of God for all of us is that we should examine ourselves. We should test ourselves against this book to make sure we are in the what, somebody? In the faith. So let's look at all those action verbs. Faith in action regarding our sin. Here it is. Repent. Turn. Be baptized. Confess. Submit. Resist, crucify, examine. A lot of action, right? It is a faith in what? Faith in what? It's the title of the message. Let's try it again. Faith in action. All right, we're getting it. So we're called to faith in action in relationship to our sin. We're also called to faith in action in relationship to our Savior. Because once I've traded that lifestyle of sin, now I'm in, I am in relationship with a what? Savior. We sang a line a while ago, this, this incredible new song that we've been singing this month called Friend in Jesus. And the very first line of that song says something powerful. And it, and it sets the stage for everything else we sing in that song. Because we say, listen, if you don't need a Savior, if you don't know sin and shame. If you know sin and shame, and you know what, you're, what you are and who you used to be, then you know you need a what? So as a result of looking at the sin and shame in my life, that lets me know that I need a what, church? I need a Savior. Jesus, our Savior, comes along and says, okay, what does faith in action look like? He says, whoever wants to be my disciple. You know what he didn't say there? Whoever wants to come to church. There's a big difference between people who come to church and people who are disciples. They're not the same thing. 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must what? What's the next action verb, y'all? Deny themselves. Sounds like what we had to do with our sin, right? I don't just deny myself, but then I do what? i got to do something with. I, I've been taking up sin. I've been taking up death. I've been taking up things that pull me far away from God. But now I take up the what? The cross. And he says, deny yourself. Take up your cross in what? Action verb. Follow me. For whoever wants to save their life must lose it. And whoever loses their life will find it. Jesus comes along then. Faith in action to our Savior. Looks like this. It's our theme verse for the year. I told you in January, you're not going to hear it one month. You're going to hear it all year long. Jesus said, faith in action is abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who what? Action verb, right? Abides in me and I in him. Here's some more action. If I abide in him, then what's going to happen? I'm going to bear how much fruit? Much fruit. People are going to be able to look at my lives. And I can't bear fruit. Why? Because apart from him, I can do what? Nothing. You guys get it. At the, uh, at the Man Church Conference yesterday, former NFL uh, player and, and, and now just incredible minister of the gospel, Rich Wingo, said this about fruit. He said, if there's no fruit in our lives, there's no salvation in our lives. That's true. Your salvation is not based on that you prayed a prayer when you were 8, 14, or 25. Your salvation is based on the fact that you're bearing fruit. And if there's no fruit in your life, I will question whether or not you're saved. Wow, pastor, you're being judgmental. No, I'm just telling you what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, no, a tree by the what? By the fruit it what? Action verb, again, by the fruit it what? Bears. So Jesus gives us this example of dead branches and fruit. We've, already, we've been unpacking that already this year. And then, <laughs> the verse we read a while ago in Acts chapter 2, Peter, let's go back to that verse, he says, each of you must, here's the action verbs again from the first point, repent, turn to God, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he tells us the connection of this faith and action with our Savior. He says, then when you do that, you need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is what comes into your life and my life and empowers us to be able to abide. If you're always tripping up all over your sin all the time, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit if you live in a life of perpetual, unconfessed, I don't care about it sin. But when you, when you repent and when you turn to God and you receive your forgiveness, that's, that is the thing that happened in Acts chapter 2. And I love what somebody said yesterday at the man church. They said, you know, we always like to, uh, we really like to, to, to connect with Peter because we're like, man, I can really identify with Peter. And, 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 but you know what? We need to stop identifying with the Peter before Pentecost. Somebody. We need to realize that the Peter after Pentecost is the one who set the world on fire. That's the Peter that we should be identifying with. The one who said this right here. James comes along in James chapter 4 and he says, Come near to God and he'll what? Come near to you. Faith in what? Hey, don't slow down on me, 9 o'clock. Faith in what? Okay, there it is again. You come near to God, he's going to come near to you. 
How many, of you, how many of you know it's true that you don't even have to take a lot of steps? He's already taken more than you'll, he'll meet you more than halfway. Man, what a powerful verse. Somebody said to me a few weeks ago, they were just talking about how much God had been doing in their life coming out of the fast last month. And, uh, and, they, and they said, I, I really wish we'd just do another fast. And here's what I'd say to that person, what I'd say to you. Do another fast. You don't have to wait till the church calls a fast. Fasting should and can be a part of our regular relationship with God. If you feel like you need and God's calling you to do another fast, then you do it. It doesn't have to be 21 days. It may be all week long. I'm going to fast lunch. It may be that I fast the next couple of days. Whatever it is. But the guarantee is when you come near to God in fasting and prayer and worship and confession and repentance, He will come near to you. Faith in action in relationship to our Savior. Here's another step. One more Paul gives us. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, here's the action, to what? Offer your bodies. That's action as a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice. That's what the whole scripture was about in the Old Testament. But now we're a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world Here's more action. But what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus, if we want to see faith and action take place, we've got to, uh, the question was asked well, yesterday is in, in, in his message, Rick Burgess yesterday morning was challenging the men. And he said this, he said, men, how do we grow spiritually? He said, you give the same time and devotion to Jesus that you give to everything else. See, it's time that we stop making excuses about why we're not growing spiritually or why we're not close to Jesus or why we don't read the Bible. Because if we really cared about it and we gave the same devotion that we would give to our hobbies, and our vacations and the other things that we focus on, if you gave that same devotion to Jesus, how would your relationship with Jesus change? Don't buy the lie. I'm, I'm going to preach to the men a little bit. I, I, they, they wore me out yesterday, didn't they, you, David? So I'm going to wear y'all out this morning. We got wore out, didn't we, Randy, in a good way. We need to stop making excuses, guys. I don't like to read. You'll read a fishing magazine or a golf magazine or you'll read the clicker on, in the NFL uh, during the season to make sure your fantasy football team is ready to go. I'll just exit stage left right here. We need to stop making excuses. Look at that quote. If you will give the same time and devotion to Jesus that you give to everything else, you'll grow spiritually. I'm not mad, I'm just passionate today. <laughs> so what does it look like? What is this faith in action? Look at the words. Here's the words we've seen. Deny, take up, follow, abide, bear fruit, receive, come near, offer, be transformed. What kind of, action, what kind of verbs are these? You got it. Faith in what? So we're called to faith in action to our sin. We're called in faith in action to our Savior. Here's the third thing. We're called to faith in action with our church. Last week we said, right about here at that, 
that, that icon that we had for the church, we said, here's what happened. Jesus went up, the Spirit came down, the disciples went out, and the lost came in. Jesus went up, the Spirit came down, the disciples went out, and the lost came in. The church is the only thing that Jesus ever built, so we are to be people of the church and our faith, what God's doing in us through the forgiveness of our sins, through the closeness of our Savior, and then it gets in here in the house. And look what word James gives us in James chapter 5 when it comes to the church. It's kind of the word of the day, I guess. He says, confess your sins to who? Oh, whoa, James. Oh, hold on, pal. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can handle confessing my sins to Jesus, but each other. And then he says, they don't just blab about your sins to each other, but when you do that, then what? Pray. Pray for each other. So you may be what? So there, look at all this action, y'all. Healing takes place when I confess my sin to a brother or a sister, and then we pray together over that. That's, that is faith in action in the church, is that I find somebody in the church that I can trust, that I can depend on, that I can build a relationship with, that will hold me accountable, that when they see me stepping out of line, they have the freedom in my life to say, hey, buddy, you need to get back in line. Hey, sis. Something's off. That's what the church is designed to do. Not shoot each other in the back all the time. Faith in action in the church. What else does it look like? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to action. Live in what? Harmony with each other. Oh, look at this line. Let there be no divisions in the church. Ooh. And the scripture says, and with God, all things are possible. So even the early church, and these are, I mean, these are really early Christians. I mean, we're talking within 20 or so years of Jesus ascending to heaven. We talk about the early church. They're the real early church. And they're dealing with division on all types of crazy stuff. And Paul says, listen, don't allow there to be division. We're not shooting for division. We're shooting to be of one mind. We need to be action verb what? United in thought and in purpose. See, there's where we make the mistake. We get off with purpose. And we begin to think that the purpose of the church is it's all about catering to me and what I want. The purpose of the church is not about you. The purpose of the church is to reach the people who are not in the house. The people who have not made it to this hospital yet. Amen? That's the purpose of the church. Paul goes on in Colossians to say we're called to faith in action in relationship to the church and this is what it should look like. So how do we live in harmony? How do you live in harmony in your relationship with your spouse and not kill each other? After 10 years, 15, 20, 50 years, you do this. You bear with each other. Anybody bear with your spouse? Amen. <laughs> yes, we all do. Hey, you, you said that a little too loud, dude. You might be in trouble. <laughs> bear with each other and what there's the action verb what is it church forgive each other and you can't have a lasting relationship where there's not forgiveness thank you brother Jimmy you can't have a lasting relationship where there's not forgiveness amen, amen. there it is 
Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive. How do we forgive? We forgive as the Lord forgave us. So when I realize how much God has forgiven me of, anybody, anybody at 9 o'clock know how much the, the grace and the mercy of Jesus has forgiven you of. A tractor, trailer, dump truck, load full of sin. <laughs> Amen. I hear a beep. I, you got my beep. I thought it might have been Ron's because they beep all the time over there. All right. I know I got it. I got you. I got it. You're good. I knew it was a dump truck. I just thought it might have been a real one because they beep right there all the time. I was, I was about to get excited that there was an on-the-spot illustration. <laughs> but it was. Very good. Thank you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So we're united when we forgive. And then Paul says, action in the church means in Galatians 5, we serve one another. We serve one another. Not just come in and say, gimme, 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 gimme. I serve one another. I'm so thankful that this is a church where there's, there are more people asking to serve all the time. We can't grow. We, we would not be growing the way we're growing right now if we weren't a serving church. You guys are doing awesome with this. And if you're not serving in the house, find a place. There's a place for you to serve. Galatians 6, Paul says, another action verb. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Another action. Do good to all people. And here's something that we really don't expect him to say. We expect him to say, especially to those who are outside of the church. But he says what? Especially to those who belong to the what? To the family. Do good to everybody. But do good especially to those who are in the house. Wow, that almost sounds like it shouldn't be in there. But Paul was trying to let us understand how important... The family of God is, amen? 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul comes on and says, Therefore, what? Action verb? Encourage one another and build each other up. And apparently the church uh, in Thessalonica that he was writing to was doing this because he says to them, just in fact, as you are what? Doing. He says, well, you guys are doing this. And I was thinking about this, this verse of Scripture a few weeks ago. And I, and I got to thinking about it like this. It's like all of us live with bricks in our hands. And we have a decision of what we're going to do with those bricks. We're either going to use those bricks to throw at somebody, or we're going to use those bricks to build others up. Too many times in the church, all we're doing is tossing bricks. Tossing bricks at this one. Tossing bricks at that situation instead of using those bricks to build each other up. See, I have a choice of what kind of church member I'm going to be. I can be the type who's always looking for something to complain about. I can be the type who's always looking for, for somebody that I can throw something at and say something rude or inconsiderate to or just give them a little jab. Or I can see how can God use me to build the church. See, right now, we're seeing something in our nation that we've, we've not seen in a very long time, and that is an organic, authentic revival. But I have seen more pastors on social media throw bricks at this revival. 
And I want to say I'm sick of it. Follow me on this reasoning, okay? There's not a person in this room who is the president of Asbury. The president of Lee University does not go to church here. You are not the pastor of Rinkin Church of God. I am. I am not the head of your house, husband. You are. Mom, I'm not over your children. You are. So as a leader in your home or on your business or in your job, you make decisions based on what's in front of you. And you see things that nobody else sees. I've caught many bricks in the head, Brother Jimmy, as a pastor, a youth pastor, and a music pastor, and a lead pastor, and an associate pastor, because people threw bricks at me because they didn't see everything that was on the plate that caused me to make the decision that I made. They don't see it all. The same's true in your house. They don't know all the things that are going on with the decisions you're making with your children. They don't see everything that goes into play when you look at your son and you say, you will not date her anymore. When you look at that situation in your job and you're saying, we're going in a different direction. I'm the boss. I'm called to do this. And they'll throw bricks at you. Bill, am I right? I'm sure Bill's taking a few bricks. Any leader in the room is taking bricks. But here's what I know. I know that I'm the only one who sees those things in my house. I'm the only one who sees it uh, the way I see it in, in, in this council. I'm not the only one. This council and our leadership team, we see these things. It's the same thing at Lee. It's the same thing at Asbury. And the church and the pastors are sitting in their sanctimonious seats and throwing bricks saying, well, they're closing down the revival. They're doing this. They're doing that. You're not there and you don't know what's going on. If you are the one who's throwing bricks at stuff that are hundreds of miles away from you, in Jesus' name, stop. You have a choice. You can either throw bricks or you can encourage. And if you're worried about the decisions that are being, making, being made at revivals, then why don't you pray instead of throwing a brick? It's a big difference. Am I mad about this? Yes, I am mad about this one. I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm discouraged. Because, because we don't know. We don't sit in those positions. But Christians, <laughs> see, here's what's happening, y'all. We have learned, I'm going to really make somebody mad today, and I'm already there, so y'all just get mad. See, we learned this garbage from political leaders that we put up on a pedestal. And we watch political leaders throw bricks at everybody else. And we somehow think that's the way to righteously lead. And it's not a biblical way to lead. Amen. And then the church thinks we're doing something right by hurling accusations at different things. And so now what's happened in the church, we become more like the world than the world becoming like the church. And so we handle conflict and we handle all this other stuff that's going on the way the world's handling conflict. And we feel like if we throw bricks with our words or with our actions that that's the way to change things. That's not what Jesus did, y'all. You know who he threw bricks at? He threw bricks at the pastors. He threw bricks at the religious leaders. But he did it based on the left side of your Bible. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And you guys are so blind that you can't even see that I'm the one who's come to do it. 
His strongest words were words to the religious who sat up high and looked down low and thought they were. And here's Paul dealing with this church and says, listen, the action that we're to take as a church is we're to build each other up. So I got a question for you today. With your words, with your actions, are you a builder or a breaker? Are you breaking people down or are you building people up? We have a choice. And when I pull back and I look at all of those words, faith in action when it comes to our culture, I'm sorry, our church, confess, live in harmony, forgive, serve, do good, encourage, build up, be united. That's what we're called to be. Amen? Y'all okay? All right, one more. Give me some background music, guys. We're called to faith in action, finally, in relationship to our world. To our sin, our Savior, our church, and our world. Let's go to our opening text. James said, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith, what, there's the action word, save anyone? James is telling us our faith isn't intended just to save us from sin, death, and hell, but our faith is a conduit. It's a channel of salvation to others around us. What good is our faith if it just saves us from hell? If there's no actions behind it, James says, he says, can that type of faith that's just sitting on the sidelines save anyone? No, we're called to faith in action with our words. Listen to the final words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 28 and Acts 1. Notice the action verbs. Therefore, Matthew 28, what? Go. Everybody say go. Go. Action verb. Go. Make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Action verbs. Acts chapter 1. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, another action verb, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're called to action in relationship to our world. We said last week that Paul comes along and he said that there were 500 people, most of whom were still alive, who could declare that Jesus was alive. We are called to be his witnesses. I want to ask you a question this morning. How and what would change if every place you went, you saw it as an opportunity to cover ground for Jesus? How would things change? If every place and everywhere you went, you saw that as that opportunity. See, that's how the early church functioned. They were given this mission and they were like, I mean, they were just let out of the gate, y'all. And they took over and set the world on fire. What would happen if we had that same, that same desire in our hearts? Look what Acts 4 says. The apostles testified, action verb, powerfully to the what? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. 
I saw something in that yesterday I've never seen before. The blessing of God follows the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus. There's a blessing that will follow your life. It followed their life. When we testify to the power and the resurrection of Jesus and not just what that Jesus is alive, but also that he's alive in us. That not only did he go from death to life, but he took us from death to life. Anybody at 9 o'clock been taken from death to life and know what I'm talking about this morning? So you know what that means? That means you've got a testimony. We were talking about this a couple Wednesday nights ago. You have a testimony. Everybody in this room does. Your testimony is important. Your testimony is valuable. Your testimony is different than the person sitting behind you or beside you or in front of you. Your testimony, somebody needs to hear your testimony. And I just believe that God's put every one of you where you're at, in the job, in the influence, in your home, wherever you are, so that he can use your story to reach people who are lost in your life. Here's the other thing about your testimony that's beautiful. Your testimony is always evolving. It's always changing. See, you're going to have a part of your testimony in six months that you didn't have today because of what God's walking you through and taking you through. Some of you, if you'll take this message you're hearing today and it's going to come alive in you and you're going to start being a, stop being a cultural Christian and really be a Jesus follower, if you'll start doing that, you'll really see some, some differences in your life six months from now. The apostles testified what? Powerfully to the resurrection of Jesus. So we're called into action to our world. Here's what it looks like. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach, be my witnesses, and testify. So as the worship team comes in and we get ready to finish up this morning, James chapter 2, verse 17. Let's go back to our main verse of the day. So you see, faith by itself isn't what? It isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. Unless faith produces good deeds, it is dead and what, y'all? Useless. Six weeks from today. Anybody know what six weeks from today is? You can probably guess. You got it. It's Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. And I saw somebody post this on social media this week. I thought this was so good. And it goes along exactly with what we're talking about this morning. There were two instructions given at the empty tomb following the resurrection of Jesus. Come and see, go and tell. Do you see that? Two instructions given after the resurrection of Jesus. Come and see, go and tell. Most everybody in this room has had a come and see moment. You've come and seen your life go from death to life in Jesus. Amen? And then we're called to do what? Go and tell. How many of you like show and tell in second grade? Especially if you had something fun to take, right? Show and tell is always a lot of fun. Guess what? Every day, show and tell. That's pretty good, ain't it? Every day, you get to be a second grader. Show and tell. Every day, you get to show and tell what God has done in your life. That is so good, y'all. That is not in my notes. I hope I remember it in 11 o'clock service. 
every day you get to show and tell. So what do we do with this, okay? All right, let's sum this up today because I have given you a lot of scripture and a lot of action verbs. And I thought, okay, how can we take all of those four areas where we're called to action in our sin, our Savior, our church, and our world and just put one word with them that you can walk out. I want you to walk out with four words today. Here it is. In faith in action. For our sin, it means what? Faith in action in regards to our Savior means we what? Faith in action in regards to our church means we what? I build. I don't break. And faith in action in regard to my world means I do what? I go. All right, one final thought for the James and the Pauls in the room. As Christ followers, we repent, we abide, we encourage, and we go. Not to earn our salvation, but because of our salvation. That is the best theological thing other than the scripture you've seen today. We don't repent, we don't abide, we don't encourage, we don't go so that we can earn our salvation. Okay? We are saved by grace through faith. Paul says in Ephesians 2, it's the gift of God because we take credit for it. Okay? But whenever God saves me and he changes my life, then I, I need to repent. I want to abide. I desire to encourage and build other people up. And I got to go. I got to show and tell. I got to tell somebody, amen? So let's go back to that last screen. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today that you need to walk out of here with? For some of you, it, it begins with that first one that we hit a lot. You've got unconfessed, ongoing sin in your life. And you need to repent and you need to confess and you need to come clean and you need to have God wash you clean and that's where you need to start. For some of you, you're, you are saved, but you're not abiding. You're just kind of doing the thing. And the call to Jesus is to abide in him every day. For some of you, some of you brick throwers today, you, were, you, got, you got it pretty good today, all right? And you've learned, I, I need to encourage. I need to stop throwing bricks, and I need to be an encourager. And finally, go. That's what we're all called to do, amen? So let's stand together this morning, and as you guys begin to play, let's bow our heads this morning and pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you today for the transformation of what you've done in our hearts. And I pray today, God, that we would lean into what you're saying to us today. God, that whatever it is that we need, however we need to respond in action to this message, that we would do that. Speak to hearts today. Transform lives today, we pray. Jesus' name. With nobody looking around today, how many of you would say, Pastor, 
for me today, there's an area in my life where I need to repent. I need to confess. I need to make something right. Will you raise your hand and put it right back down? Go. Hands all over the room. And there needs to be more. How many? I need to repent. I need to confess. There's something in my life that's separating me and Jesus. Don't walk out. Don't walk out with that unconfessed sin. Right now, you can be made new in Jesus. Multiple hands going up. How many of you say today, Pastor, the Lord is saying to me, I, I got to do a better job. I need to lean in. I need to abide. I'm abiding in a lot of other things other than Him. My work, my job, the other things that are just kind of a, abide, people. Raise your hand. That's what God's saying to you. I need to abide. A lot of hands right there. How many would say, God's saying to me, I need to be a better encourager. I need to drop some bricks. I need to start encouraging more people. All right, hands up. Yep, a lot of hands right there too. All right, let's everybody go ahead and lift your hand on this one because we all need to go. As long as there's lost people in Effingham and Chatham County at your job and in your family, we all need to go. So Lord, right now, hands up all over the house. Lord, right now, we say to you, Jesus, we come and we repent today of sin that stands between us and you. God, we make a decision and declare today that we are nothing without you. We must abide in you. Today, Lord, we make that call, Lord. We hear the call to lay down our bricks. And God, to be builders, not breakers, Lord, that you're calling us to encourage and build each other up. And Lord, we pray that we would know that we've been called to go. That, Lord, there are people in our families and in our jobs and in our community and on our ball teams and in our schools and in our neighborhoods that you have placed us there, God, to reach them. And we thank you for all that you are calling us to. We can only do it without with you, Lord, because without you, we are nothing. And so we lean in today on that today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Let's sing this. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here. I find my rest. And without you. I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. Come on, let's say this to him today, church. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour I need you, my one defense. My righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are.
when temptation comes my way. When I stand, I stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Jesus, that's what we just sang. Apart from you, we can do nothing and we are nothing. We are incapable of being people who have faith in action without you. So we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the conviction of your word that hits us hard. And we declare today, Lord, that without you, we cannot live this out. So, Lord, we hear the call today to faith in action. And may we walk out of this house. May we walk out of this house, Lord, and be people who are found faithful to your word. May we repent. May we abide. May we encourage as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God praise for what he's done today. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight, 6 o'clock, church business meeting. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, revive night of worship. Have a great day. We hope to see you back in the house soon. God bless you.